Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nick Anderson Fitness Podcast. I am here with one of my actual favorite fitness content creators, uh, Brittany Morgan. Brittany, I love your content because it is so like direct and to the point. And like, there's so much information that you like put into just like a small piece of Instagram content. So I really love that. Um, I'm super excited to have you on. For everyone who doesn't know you, why don't you introduce yourself, tell you who who you are, tell us who you are and all that good stuff. Right. So my name is Brittany Morgan, or I go by coach Brittany Morgan, and that's Morgan with all O's. <laughs> don't all O's. <laughs> um, and I was in food science for many, many years and did culinary product development um, out of school in my early in my career. And then I kind of became like obsessed with nutrition and still am quite obsessed with nutrition. So I switched over while I was in culinary product development to almost only doing nutrition development. And then um, at the same time, I was getting into athletics um, and getting into fitness personally, ran a few marathons, did a bodybuilding competition. And then suddenly people were asking me for help, you know? So before I took on any clients, I went ahead and made sure I got certified uh, both as a sports specialist, um, sports nutrition specialist, and as a certified personal trainer, fitness trainer, I started taking on clients. And a couple of years later, that became my full-time job. I left San Francisco. I left culinary development and, uh, eight years, eight years later, here we are. Love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that you're also really good at is you've dived a little bit into the uh, anti-MLM side of things. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started? So I think I can softly say I've always been anti-MLM. I remember even early on in getting into being a professional nutrition, um, like a nutrition specialist that people would send me requests to be a coach for Arbonne or for Herbalife, or I would get Shakeology samples all the time. And people like, oh, since you were in food science, can you evaluate this label? And um, yeah, I can. <laughs> and I did. And not, not no, even knowing anything about like the MLM business structure, I just remember looking at all these products and being like, wow, these are shit. Mm. Like you're selling these to people and $120 a month, like what the hell? Um, and they did not always like that feedback, but as you said, I'm quite direct and that's <laughs> what it was back then it was shit. And now it is still shit product. Um, so I've always been against using that, um, for, uh, as a basis for like weight loss coaching, cause mm -hmm. I don't actually think supplement based coaching or supplement based programs are ethical at all. There is no product on the market and I don't think there ever will be that can just help you lose weight. Yeah. I mean, there might be some things out there that will aid in it just by like helping you to feel more full or something like that. But like, mm -hmm. there's no supplement out there that is net. like, if you need to buy a supplement to lose weight, you're doing it wrong. You're really mm -hmm. doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're skipping the foundation. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what kind of things do you suggest that people look out for when people are trying to like get in your DMs and being like, Hey girl. <laughs> look, well, first of all, I can't think off the top of my head of a, a professional and ethical and evidence-based coach that would slide into your DMS and offer a weight loss coaching. Mm. That's not like how we do things because not everybody wants to lose weight. Not everybody needs to lose weight. And it's kind of triggering to offer that up to people out of the blue. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we know that. So if someone's like sliding into your DMS and literally like, Hey, I can help you lose weight with this amazing product. That is like all the red flags you need. That's like just a hard no, because that's not how a professional is going to handle introducing themselves to you or starting a conversation with you. We don't just we don't just start uh, talking about people's weight. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> you're like weight loss coach. You don't do that. 
Yeah. It's wild how they'll just like go into your DMs and be like, hey, got this awesome product for you. It can help you lose weight. And just like, first of all, assume so many of your goals. Um, talk about your body. They don't know you. Like maybe it's one thing if they they know a little bit about you, they know what you're going through. Even then it's a little cringy unless you've had these conversations before, but to just come right out and be like, hey, let me help you lose weight. Don't know if you want to lose weight or not, but let me help. <laughs> I think that applies to almost any profession. You want you want someone who is willing to let you go if it's in your best interest. So if a doctor cannot serve you because you need a specialist, they will refer you to a specialist. If um, this is probably one of my favorite metaphors, I went to ask my hairdresser to give me bangs, and he straight up said no. That's a professional because I have this like little. I don't know what they call it, a cowlick here. And it would just, my, I, I can't do bangs. I can't do bangs. And he knew that as a professional and he wouldn't do that to me. So you need to look for someone who's willing to refer you out if it's in your best interest. Um, and most MLM coaches aren't willing to do that. They think anybody and everybody can and should be using their products. Yeah. And if you start using their products and stop using their products, then you are basically excommunicated from them. They, they will block you, unfriend you, all that stuff. No matter how long you've known this person, speaking from experience here, uh, <laughs> when uh, when Daniel and I used to do Beachbody, our, our coach blocked us when we stopped. So that That's was insane. a good time. And That's like insane. Daniel knew this woman for like since school, like since high school or something. And they were friends, like they used to hang out and, you know, he stopped using the product. So I think part of that, I think I've heard is that they're told, um, you know, and, and part of the indoctrination of developing their bis businesses, and I know this is a podcast, but I'm using air quotes here, um, that like anybody who doesn't directly support your business doesn't support you. And that's really sad to think about um, and really upsetting. And like as a business owner and a business owner of eight years now, um, I have a lot of family family and friends that like have never purchased for me. And I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't care. Um, my services are not for everyone. And also hiring a coach is an extremely vulnerable position to put yourself in. And maybe you don't want to do that with someone you're friends with, um, or someone that like, you know, really well, you want to maintain more of like a professional boundary, um, with that person. So it's always been kind of weird to me to think about like, but like, let's say like I was a beach body coach and had a client and the client moved on to be like, to excommunicate them. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I've had plenty of clients that like, Oh, I've been with you for like a year. I feel like I know what to do now. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Go and do your thing. Like, for, like goal, I, wouldn't, right? I wouldn't excommunicate them. Like that's what I want them to get at the end. And that's so crazy that they have that, like, if you're not with us, you're against us mentality about like people who aren't supporting your business or against you. That's yikes. <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Big yikes. Um, yeah. Um, then th that's like one of those, you, you talk about logical fallacies all the time. And this is not something that I'm well-versed in like I have a general idea of logical fallacies but like you seem to be quite the aficionado is that a word aficionado <laughs> you're, you're a, a logical fallacy connoisseur <laughs> <laughs> um but can you talk a, bit, a little bit about that about like what kind of logical fallacies you get from MLM coaches I know they're in your comments all the time they're in the comments all the time. Wait till tomorrow's post. No, <laughs> um, I get, and this is really disappointing, but I get the ad hominem one a lot. And that, what that one is, is basically it's a personal attack. So it's, and this is just always so disappointing to see because I feel like um, while my content is direct, it is neutral and it's all evidence-based. So I provide sources for everything either directly in the content or on my blog. Um, so it should be pretty neutral. Like it's like me saying the sky is blue and these people come at me like, well, 
who are you? And look at the way she looks and let's laugh about this. And it's like, are we adults? No, not on the internet. And then at the same time, these people insist that they're um, professionals, peers to me in this industry. So that logical fallacy is, that's the weirdest one for me because I could not imagine going to another peer in my industry and being like, well, are you sure that you have like all these credentials and all this experience just because you said one sentence I don't agree with? Oh my God. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one that's the most common. The gas, know. The gaslighting is, there's a lot of gaslighting, but that's technically not fallacious. Um, I know I get the the ad hominem one all the time. Uh, I don't usually get like wild comments. I mean, occasionally on TikTok, if I like post something that blows up, it'll just be full of like terrible comments. But it's always like, who is this guy? He doesn't look like he's qualified to give fitness advice. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what you look like. like. (laughs) I always like to use the analogy. I know you're not a football person, so we're going to go for this anyway. <laughs> but like um, Bill Belichick, coach of the Patriots, is not like the most well-known football player, but he is one of the best football coaches of all time. So like you don't have to look or play the part of the coach to be a coach. You would be proud of me, uh, even though I historically know nothing about football I do understand coaching <laughs> and I used a metaphor <laughs> yesterday at, on a beach body coach who um was essentially saying like you don't have to be an expert in coaching to coach you just have to share your journey your personal journey that was the other fallacy so that's an anecdotal fallacy which is the scientifically it's the weakest form of evidence you can ever um present to defend a claim but I was like no you don't even have to have a journey to be a coach. And it literally is all about being an expert in the subject matter, like at the NFL. (laughs) And although many of the NFL coaches have been um, at least like college level athletes, or maybe like one or two years in professional football, none of them have like played a full athletic career all the way to the Super Bowl. Yet the coach's job is to get that team to the Super Bowl. It's because it's a different job. Being a coach is not the same as being an athlete. Exactly. That's, that's a very good way to look at it. And yeah, I saw that post, by the way, I wanted to die (laughs) reading them saying that all you have to do is have a journey to be a coach. That makes literally no sense. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, this just ties back into what MLMs thrive on. They thrive on personal testimony as all of their claims Um, It's really hard to refute um, someone's personal experience because it is a fallacy. (laughs) Like that's why we're not supposed to use those when we're in in a scientific discussion. Yeah. Um, If your sample size of your test subjects is one, it's not a good test. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then often these um, testimonies are correlative. So we're seeing that right now with the Beachbody four week gut health protocol mm-hmm. where the um, Beachbody distributors don't seem to know what the program is for, what the desired outcome should be. And so they're just correlating anything positive happening in their life right now with being on this program. Um, and that is making for a lot of illegal health claims right now. Yeah, did you see the one? I think you you might have even been the one to post this about the uh, the mom who was breastfeeding. Can you mm-hmm. remind me what that said? There were two that I posted actually. Um, one was breastfeeding, and her baby had um, you know baby acne and baby kind of rashy skin on his face, which is quite normal for an infant. Sure. Um, and his skin cleared up. Uh, one day and uh, she was saying it was a miracle because of this gut health program that she was on. And so there's a lot to unpack there, a breastfeeding woman on a crash diet. Um, and then also claiming that this like cured her baby from a very normal like skin condition for infants. And then there was another woman who 
this one got me really upset. There was another woman who was um, exclusively breastfeeding her her infant and the infant had had um, a long history of like struggling with food allergies. And so he was allergic to something in her milk and having reactions to it. She said in her own caption that she went to finally went to a specialist, got the allergy tests done, and she excluded the foods advised by the doctor. And that a few days later, or like almost immediately, her son's um, symptoms cleared up, which is amazing. And then she pivoted and said it was because she was on the gut health program. And the cognitive dissonance here, you adhered to a diet that your doctor prescribed you and that worked. And then you went on the gut health program, but you're giving credit to what happened to your son, to the gut health program and not to the doctor that prescribed the diet. So that's really frustrating because I know that that's gotta be a really frustrating experience as a new mother to see your child, like having an allergic reaction to the only food that it has access to. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people feel really desperate and vulnerable in that situation and may turn to this gut health program, which again is a crash diet to try and help their children. And that's, that's just awful. That's just infuriating. I know the people um, listening can't see my face right now, but oh my God, I am horrified. Like, how can you, you get advice from your doctor. Doctor tells mm-hmm. you exactly what to do. You know, a licensed medical professional who has gone to several years of schooling uh, has, has the information that is necessary to help you and your baby. And you give the credit to Beachbody. To a random Beachbody program that was put together by someone who is not credentialed to speak on the subject and is failing a lot of people. I've, I've gotten several reports now that people are starting to get sick, which was exactly actually my concern when I started raising flags back in November. Um, so I don't know if people on the podcast know it's April now. So I've been talking about this for months, months mm-hmm. and months and months. And um, unfortunately, everything I predicted is coming true. And I, I hate it. I hate to see it happen. I didn't wanna see this happen to a single person. And now it's happening to a lot of people. And they're still just, they don't understand what's causing it. Just um, so everyone listening knows, I'm not sure everyone does. Can you explain a little bit about what the actual protocol is? If you, if you know the details of it. So from what I've been able to gather, because I haven't brought myself to buy it myself, Look at it. Don't support um, that. <laughs> Don't no. spend money into that. This is um, developed by Autumn Calabres, and it's basically just a food elimination crash diet. So what she's done is she's created a ton of rules. I mean, it's the name of the program is the protocol. A ton of rules around what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you should eat. Um, I'm hearing things like you're supposed to have so many fermented vegetables per week. You're supposed to have like 30 different types of vegetables per week. And we want to talk about food privilege there. That's a huge red flag. And then she's also having you just exclude large food groups. I don't want to list those off the top of my head um, because I don't have it in front of me. But if I could guess, it's probably things like dairy, gluten, Oh, you're supposed to only have 10 grams total of sugar per day. Wow. So I'm assuming that most fruits include, include fructose. Yeah, it, it, it includes I mean, sugar, sugar, like yeah. total sugar, not added sugar. So the nutrition recommendation is to somewhat limit your added sugar per day, which does not include fruit, um, dairy, things that have naturally occurring sugars, but she is telling people to limit all sugar which naturally excludes things like dairy and fruit, which are very healthful foods. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so frustrating. They're, these people's blood sugar must be so low. I mean, I know your body can like handle being off of sugar for a little while, like f- for several weeks, but 
I mean, if they're oh, if only they're, having 10 grams of total sugar a day. If they're eating, I don't know what like their starchy carb intake might be. I do know that the first thing that they're advised to do on the program is calculate their calories. So um, she keeps For saying this gut program. Health program. Yeah. She keeps saying this program isn't about weight loss, but the first thing you do is calculate your calories and every week's check-in is scale pictures and uh, measurements for gut health. So, um, no, (laughs) this is is a weight loss program disguised as like pseudo health. Um, but I, I would assume that people would at least have enough access to carbs through all the vegetables that they're forced to eat. Um, to have that's like true. That's true. Not, not have too many blood sugar issues, but what they're going to have is ironically increased GI distress <laughs> from the sudden increase in fiber and cruciferous vegetables. Um, and another facet of this program is it does come with an exercise like program, the four weeks for every body program, which is allegedly low impact. So she's kind of pairing this like energy saving workout with people who are on these like extremely low calorie diets. Um, so that's probably also helping to somewhat maintain their blood sugars. I can't imagine how sick these people feel though. I mean, I'm seeing reports of definite GI distress. I've seen reports of people having uh, such like an upset stomach, they can't even keep food down. Um, And then of course, the typical reports that come with a crash diet, it's the headaches, the wooziness, the um, euphoria, which people don't realize is a part of crash dieting, feeling like too good. (laughs) Um, So... Basically, people are going on a gut health, just just to sum this up, people are going on a gut health protocol, their gut doesn't feel good, but it's working because they're losing weight. But it's working because they're losing weight. That, but it's not a weight loss program. But it's not a weight loss program, it's a gut health program. So they don't, they don't have them track any type of their digestion. They don't like examine their bowel movements like that's i'm not a gut health expert but my my gut tells me (laughs) that's what i would do i would have them analyze their bowel movements how they're feeling how their stomach actually feels on a daily basis so i have seen that a part of the program does include a bowel movement chart of kind of like what that's supposed to look like or where that range is it's very generic like straight up ripped off google um but it doesn't, that's not always indicative of like a healthy gut. Like, okay, maybe you're like fiber is in the right place. Um, and then every uh, piece of content that I've seen on this has included, uh, you know, oh, I lost weight and I feel so good. Okay. But what does that mean? And the issue is these people didn't have an issue before. So there was nothing to solve. And this is part of what makes me like really upset because a lot of how Autumn promoted this program is by saying one of the symptoms was, uh, one of the symptoms of gut health issues is by having trouble losing weight, which obviously targets a lot of people, but that's not true. It's actually um, having trouble maintaining your weight. So either you're losing too fast or gaining too fast and no matter what you do, you can't maintain your weight and the rapid weight loss that these people are going through is actually a symptom of GI distress. And this is the kind of stuff that lands people in hospitals. My father has Crohn's, um, which is like an inflammation of the gut lining. And he has been to the hospital twice because he cannot keep weight on (laughs) So the last thing someone who has GI distress needs is to be put on a weight loss program. It's beyond unethical. Not to mention that the symptom of like them losing weight is, is from being on a crash diet. Like it's not because of your gut. It's because you're eating too few calories. Right. 
you're probably exhausted all the time. Um, I also wanted to talk about something else that you recently posted. I haven't actually read through the post. I wanted to talk to you on the podcast about it and hear what you had to say. You posted something that said lifting weights can save your life. Tell me about that. Oh, this was a beast of an article. When I tell you it took me so long to pull <laughs> Those but are the best ones. This was my attempt to get the attention of women who are still not lifting weights or engaging in strength training activities. And the issue with this, and it, it's what I call the strength training gender gap, where women are disproportionately not strength training. And as a result, they're directly suffering more often from chronic disease and health issues that are prevented by strength training. So women are more at risk for osteoporosis. And the main way to prevent osteoporosis is through strength training. Women are more at risk for arthritis and need more knee replacement surgeries later in life. And the main way to like mitigate arthritis symptoms or preserve joint health is through strength training. And the list goes on and on and on and on. All these things that women tend to disproportionately suffer from are things that can be helped by strength training. And we aren't there yet. We do not, we're having trouble getting women either under a bar or lifting iron or in a gym. Um, so I'm trying to bring attention to this issue, um, because it's something that's really going to start affecting us. I mean, I'm 31, but, um, I've been lifting for 11, 12 years. Um, a lot of my peers are my age or older and have not begun lifting yet. And it takes time to reap these health benefits. So we got to start now or things like, um, women are more apt for like, uh, falling. Um, and that is the leading cause of fatal injury for people over the age of 65. Um, I just hate to see it. I hate to see it happen. And so I'm trying to get people in the gym now and stop that from happening later. Cause that's that age is not that far away. Yeah. I think we are seeing a little bit of a shift over the last like five years where women are in the gym more than they used to be which I absolutely love. I love seeing women lifting weights, being total badasses in the gym. Whereas before it was all about like, you got to do cardio to get fit. And it's, it's great seeing that this shift is happening. And I love that you are trying to help uh, help out with the shift because it is so important. Like it does so much for you. And so many people like over the age of 50 are like, Oh, I can't lift weights. I have a bad back. I can't lift weights. I have bad knees, but really it's, you should lift weights because you have a bad back because you have bad knees. This is going to help with that. It's going to help your bone density. It's going to help those joints. Yeah. People don't realize that. Yes. And I agree. There has been a big shift in women um, being more comfortable with lifting weights or being in the gym recently, but I'm still just seeing that in young women. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not uh, yeah. seeing that all the way in people my age and older. Um, so I think there's still some type of stigma there, or there's many other barriers that are still holding people back. And even recently, um, I forget who I cited in my article. I think it was the national journal journal of, I'm I'm not going to miscite this. It's in the intro of my article, but, um, only 25% of women are lifting right now. So like, even if we can get that number up to like it's not enough. 50 or 75, like let's make it equal with the men. I think it was like 75% of all men are lifting right now. Let's make it equal with the men and watch all of these health issues that women specifically tend to struggle with more just disappear. Um, so I, lo- I love that women are in the gym right now. I think also a lot of these young people are more guided by the aesthetics of fitness. And that's definitely a benefit. Um, seeing like your muscles is super fun, but let's like not forget as they get older, they need to still keep weightlifting, even if, um, what they look like becomes less of a priority for some reason, because ultimately the purpose of fitness is for your health. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get into fitness, get started into fitness because they care about what they look like and they stay because they care about 
what they feel like. Like, I think people get in because they want to do what they want, but it gives them what they need, which is to feel better. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, do you think that that women have more of a fear of the gym because there are so many men in the gym? Because I, I know a lot of women that I've talked to are like afraid of the men in the gym. Yeah. So a recent study by Penn state, (laughs) um, I remember that citation just surveyed a bunch of students as recently this was study was done in 2020, um, about who gets into the gym and why they go or why they might not go. And they not only found that women or the female students don't go, don't weight lift as much, but they also don't go to a gym as much. And then when they surveyed all of those women on why the top leading reasons were the behaviors and presence of men and, um, the lack of knowledge about, um, either exercise programming or equipment use, which is directly related to like inequalities that girls face in youth sports. So men are kind of an issue. (laughs) No, I totally agree. Um, yeah. Can, can you tell us as a woman, what you think men can do better to help women feel more welcome at the gym? Yeah. Um, leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> like, just don't, don't yeah. look at us. Don't talk to us. Just honestly treat us like men. Like you wouldn't like stare at a guy doing their set. You wouldn't walk up to a guy. This one, this one gets me. <laughs> as someone who's about to be an exercise physiologist, this still happens to me at the gym. Men walking up to me mid set and trying to suggest different exercises or different ways to do my form to target, um, things that women, again, I'm using air quotes, women prioritize. So I've had, I've had men come up to me and tell me to do my, um, stance on the leg press machine differently to target my glutes. Yikes. That's fucking creepy, man. Yeah, like, no, it is of me. And also who are you and don't talk to me. And do you know who you're talking to? Like just all the things, but you can't say that to a man in the gym because you don't know, uh, what he has done before or will do when he's upset. So you just kind of smile and nod and leave and never come back. That's what ends up happening. <laughs> um, so just don't, is my advice for all men just don't in the gym. Um, if you, obviously there's like gym adequate, if you need to work in on a set, you know, it's fine to ask us that in a neutral tone, not, Hey honey, or don't comment on our outfits. Yeah. Suggestions. All that shit's inappropriate. Like not okay. I think, I think that's really great advice, especially where you said, just like treat us like you would any other man in the gym. Like, yeah, I might go up to a man and be like, Hey, can I, work in with the set how many sets you have left anything like that that's the most i'm going to talk to somebody in the gym maybe i know this but like i work in the gym so now i talk to everybody unfortunately like i never get left alone at the gym it sucks but <laughs> friendships though that's different but yeah it's different like if if i'm there by myself like the maybe i'll have like a casual like 12 second conversation with someone and that's about it and you know if that sparks up to be more of a conversation you that's fine but like, don't go up and offer unsolicited advice to anyone that's inappropriate, no matter what your gender, no matter what your sex, unsolicited advice is not okay. If someone asks you, that's great. Then go, go help them. But unless someone's doing something outright dangerous, mind your goddamn business. Even still don't talk to that person. Just go get the staff. There are like trained faculty members. To that's deal a good with point. Them. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. They're not going to hear advice from you. I can tell you that. So just, um, I would also like to see more gyms implement like sexual harassment policies, like one and done. If a woman reports you, you're out. Um, That would give uh, men a lot less permission to act the fool and women a lot more confidence that it is a safe public space to exist in. Yeah, I think that would be great. And I don't, we just don't see that, unfortunately. Like, I see videos on TikTok where 
women are harassed and then the women the woman is the one that gets asked to leave because they're making a scene making a scene as she should and as she stuff is like on the internet now i can't tell you how much i've dealt with this and then just like i said just walked out and um thankfully i kept going back to the gym because this is something that has held quite a bit of my interest but i have changed like the time i go to the gym switch my entire schedule around changed my exercise program to avoid being like near specific people. There's a lot of fear (laughs) that goes into being a woman in a public space, especially like a male dominated public space where um, many of the men are hyped up on like pre-workout or worse things or worse things. Yeah. There's a guy at my gym that is uh, definitely like ride raging all the time and no one wants to go near him. um, So yeah, like it's even myself, I'm like a little scared to go near him because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what he's going to do. So I can't even imagine like what a woman would feel like having all these potential experiences with men already being around someone like that is not okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Now that I think about it, like even me as a professional, I still, my gym is only like three or four houses down from my house. So it's like not even worth it to drive because it's one way street and you have to go all the way around the city to get there. So we just walk every day, but I won't go unless my husband is going with me. Um, and that sounds awful because I'm a literal exercise professional and I can't even like go to my own gym without fear of being catcalled or my greatest fear is being followed home. Um, because I live right here. So, and then what, (laughs) you know? Um, so I go to the gym with my husband every day. And when I want to go on runs and walks, I go with my husband or make sure he's at least like tracking me or on the phone with me. It's crazy scary to be a woman out in the world sometimes. Um, and it's weird the like hoops we have to jump through to just get some stuff done. Some like basic stuff like exercise, which is like a part of our hygiene. Yeah. We, we really need to do better as a society as to how women are being treated and frankly harassed just for existing. Oh my gosh. You have to check out. I made this reel. You're going to have to scroll down. It's like one of my first reels back when I was training for a half marathon in the Panini and I made it to make fun of a guy who was catcalling me while I was running. And it was like literally 6.15 in the morning. And I don't know who has energy for that because I barely had energy to be outside. (laughs) And while I made it, I actually got catcalled again. And I caught my face of being catcalled in the reel. And then I put it to like Taylor Swift's audio, like, damn, it's only 7 a.m. The comments the comments of that reel, I think it's still my top performing reel because men were mad at me for being like, Hey guys, let's like not catcall women that are running. I think that's, that's all I said. Like, this is a reasonable request. Really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one more thing I want to touch on while we're still on this topic, just because I know you and I have had this conversation before. What about the uh, creepy men trainers out there? Mm, don't touch people like (laughs) didn't we learn that in kindergarten don't touch people like you keep keep your hands to yourself like how many times have we heard that as children like from toddlerhood it still applies as adults keep your hands to yourself especially as a professional um i men there's definitely a lot of men in the industry getting in trouble for this now because um they're touching their clients to help them with exercise form, but it is inappropriate touch. So like, I think the one that sent me and started our conversation privately was someone was like spotting, um, spotting a woman doing squats, but like basically grabbing her like, um, bus line. An inappropriate <laughs> place to grab. You don't need to grab there. You don't need to grab there. I, I can't think of a single exercise where you need to grab someone there or cue someone there. And that also like is dangerous for her squat. Like she's got a barbell on her back and right. 
she trusts you to spot her as a professional. You, you and jump in when you're needed. You don't just stand behind the whole time with your yeah. pelvis against her butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, touching the glutes without permission. Now I do get like touching um, muscles to help clients create that like mind to muscle connection. Like, Hey, sure. supposed to be working. Do you feel that? But there probably is a line to be drawn when it comes to like touching bathing suit areas. Um, Absolutely. Say, Do you feel this in your glutes or God, just ask, just ask. Like I was teaching one of our friends at the gym at a hip hinge a few weeks ago and I showed it on myself first, you know, a karate chop at the hip, like, mm-hmm. Hey, we do this. And you kind of bend back a little bit. And then he did it a few times. He still wasn't quite hinging. And so I was like, is it okay? And this wasn't even me acting in a professional capacity. This was me like friend to friend. I was like, Hey, is it okay if I touch you? And I showed him again on my body where I was going to touch him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so I was like this, you want to feel the fold here. And then he got it. But like, how hard is it to ask permission? Yeah. Just like a normal adult ask yeah. for consent consent whoa mind-blowing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i worked at a gym where some of this stuff was going on with the trainers i'm not going to say which gym i'm not going to say who these trainers are but i very quickly left that gym because it was some real shady shit and i did not want to be associated with it like the owner of the gym was helping people with their chin-ups by grabbing at their butt and just like pushing them up not necessary like you don't need to do that there's no reasonable reason for that that's like two things first of all that's sexual assault second of all that's someone who doesn't know exercise programming there are pieces of equipment to help with that yeah and they were using the band like it was a band or do a rack pull like not a rack pull an inverted row like you don't yeah. You don't need to be like grab an ass to help someone get healthy. Yeah. So like these, if you're wondering, if you're listening and you're wondering if these things actually happen, maybe you're a dude and you're like, that doesn't happen. No, this shit happens. It doesn't this happen. hundred percent happens. You're exactly. Exactly. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. Um, and again, scary. I know a lot of gyms implement these like women's only areas as like an alleged safe space to go work out away from men. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, kind of have like a problem with those too. I get, um, there's a lot of gyms actually that are, are women's only gyms or have women's only hours. And I think that that's kind of great. Like that's great. Give us the chance to get in there and get, get some shit done. But the women's only areas at the gym that I've been to or the facilities I've been to, Nick, their dumbbells go up to 10 pounds, up to 10 pounds in neoprene dumbbells. And they're just slam packed full of cardio equipment. How is that giving women like safe access to gym equipment? And we are paying the same amount of money for this gym membership. It's not. Did you see the, um, the NCAA gyms for, (sighs) do you remember that? Like it was the, the men had like a fully stocked gym. And the women's team, it was the women's like division one basketball team had like dumbbells up to 20 pounds. And that was their gym. I got in a fight with someone over this because they were like, well, they just don't have as much funding because they don't bring in as much money. I'm like, first of all, the funding for that league comes from the same place. So yes, they, they literally have the same money. <laughs> literally yeah. in that specific case. Yeah. And second <laughs> of all, the inequalities in youth sports that I mentioned briefly last time include lack of funding, lack of funding for girls sports. And it starts out as early as like girls can walk. Like we do not have access to sports. So continuing through into professional sports, not giving them access to the appropriate equipment to do their jobs is still just an inequality. It's not a budgeting issue. What do you think if um, if a gym were to have a women's only area that was well stocked? Do you think that would be an appropriate solution? That would be a more appropriate solution because we're going to have issues with women kind of my age and older getting over, um, quite frankly, the past traumas that they've experienced with men. And they just want a place to go in and put their head down and get to work. But in order to do that, they need access to the equipment that is going to allow them to strength train. Mm -hmm. You're not doing much strength training 
with a 10 pound dumbbell. I think I said this in my article. I know a woman who have given birth to something more than 10 pounds. We need Mic drop. Damn. <laughs> we need to be lifting more than 10 pounds. Yeah. We're picking up like 30 pound toddlers. We need to be lifting more than 30 pounds. Like this is we're training to have a life. So we need to be lifting accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need five treadmills in a stinky room. <laughs> just give, there's give us one squat rack. Give us one squat rack. At least. And just see what happens. See what we can do with it. I think there's um, just such a like weird stigma that's still left over that. And I think even some women feel this about themselves that they can't lift heavy weight. Like I, I think women in the gyms, this is a stereotype. So this is not for everyone. This, this happens a little more frequently. I think though, is women will seriously underestimate what they can lift and men will seriously uh, overestimate what they can lift. And mm-hmm. both are leaving a lot of progress on the table. Um, so did you ever experience that when you started? Did you like underestimate how much you could lift? Yeah. I used to think that deadlifting with eight pound dumbbells was like badass. <laughs> Meanwhile, like I think my gym bag alone was like 15 pounds. <laughs> so you were deadlifting that just so to get to the deadlifting gym. Deadlifting a gym bag. Um but yeah, because I think a big part of this is we just don't see other women doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think this is much less now that social media exists. Instagram was like fresh baby new when I started at the gym. So I still didn't really even know that I was like Googling how to do this exercise and trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, it's, it's so seeing more women lift weights, I think is going to help more women start lifting weights um and the appropriate weight yeah we're not doing booty bands anymore we left those in 2014 those are done those can yeah those can stay behind they have their uses but they're few and far between you don't need them on the stairmaster therapy they're a therapeutic device it's not for exercise right yeah i use them in my warm-ups they're great for that (laughs) yeah so i mean i say this all the time competence builds confidence Unfortunately, the only way for women to get started is to just start. And that's like, it sucks because it's super scary. Um, but you just got to start somewhere. And once you start that, that's where the motivation actually happens. When you start and when you start seeing progress in what you're doing and you're like, wow, it's working. Now I want to keep going. When you try something new and then you like do it or feel the results or see the results from that, that is such a mood booster. Like I still remember my first time, like overhead pressing again, they were like eight pound dumbbells, but like, I didn't know that I could push something above my head. And it's kind of silly to think about because like how many times have we seen a woman like manhandle a piece of furniture to like do a DIY project or something. I don't know. This is stuff I do in my spare time. (laughs) You just manhandle furniture in your spare time. (laughs) I've like lifted furniture, like onto the top of my car or like dragged it upstairs. Um, I used to live when I lived in the Bay area in California, I used to live up like a three, four walk up and I had to carry all my groceries up three flights of stairs. And if I just like sit and think about like all the weight that I was just moving on a daily basis, it was like actually nothing compared to what I thought I was doing in the gym. Um, So if women could just sit down and think about like, honestly, like if you're like a woman with a child, like how much does your child weigh? Like that's a, that's a starting point. Mm -hmm. You can lift that child above your head. That's a starting point for shoulder presses, you know? So think about the weight you're already moving and then train in a way that improves that from here on i always like to ask people at the end of a set how many more do you feel like you could have done if someone put a gun to your head and a lot of times people are like i don't know 20 <laughs> like you're not <laughs> lifting heavy enough it, the answer should be no less than or no more than three like if it's, if it's more than three unless you're just starting maybe the answer's six or more but still like you, it should feel challenging. It's not supposed to tickle. It should feel hard. 
And if it feels hard, you're doing it right. Like this isn't supposed to be easy, but challenging yourself can, there's, there can be a lot of enjoyment in that to knowing that you can lift X amount of weight over your head or off of the floor or on your back. That's empowering. And especially because we've been talking so much about inequality let's get empowered. Like let's do these things to help you feel more empowered. I know there's a lot of women that listen to my podcast. So I think they're going to get a lot of that lot out of this one. Good. Yeah. Start here. Weightlifting changes lives. I mean, my article said it saves lives, but it changes lives too. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be doing strengthening exercises two times a week. Do like, do not take my word for it. Go to the CDC website. Like this is for, this is for your health, um, mental and physical health. And not only that, it makes you feel so much more confident too. Like if you're able to conquer your fear of going into the gym, you've just conquered a fear. Like talk about a confidence booster. God damn. Yeah. Let's go lift some weights, ladies. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the best part of being a coach? Like we, went through all this when we were newbies in the gym, but like we get to re-experience it over and over again when we watch our clients do it. That is my favorite. Like that never gets old. I've been doing this for eight years and that never gets old. Even just a few weeks ago, this friend that my husband and I have been going to the gym with, um, he's very new to weightlifting. So I've been teaching him form. We've been doing the basic movements and we did um, deadlifts one day and it's looking kind of easy for him. but he's pretty conservative because he's had injuries in the past, but it was looking kind of easy for him. And I trusted his form has been really good. And so I asked him, I was like, Hey, like, do you mind me asking how much do you weigh? And he told me, and he was only like 35 pounds off from that in his deadlift. And so I was like, do you want to try for a new PR and lift like 100% your body weight? And he was like, can I do that? And I was like, yeah, you can. And so we loaded the bar butter four reps love that he had never done that before and he's still like talking about it i love that <laughs> so i love seeing that happen over and over again one of my favorite things to do is like give somebody a kettlebell and face the the weight away from them so they don't know how much it weighs <laughs> and like teach them how to deadlift it or you know just do a deadlift with it and then at the end, I'll be like, how much do you think that weighed? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know, like 20, 25 pounds. And I'm like, no, that was 65 pounds. And then the look on their face, I literally had someone in the middle of the session call their dad to be like, dad, guess what I just did? <laughs> this is the <laughs> best feeling. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, this has been awesome. I did not expect us to go on like a 45 minute talk about women at the gym, but I'm so glad we did. I, I think that is going to help so many people. So again, if you're listening, let's lift some weights. Come on. Um, Brittany, where can people find you? Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram. So that'll be at coach Brittany Morgan. And again, that's Morgan with all O's M O R G O N. Um, and I also have a website where all of my articles are hosted on my blog. And that is simply brittanymorgan.com. Awesome. And seriously, guys, go follow Brittany because her content is fucking incredible. Be okay with the word fuck before you follow me. (laughs) (laughs) If they're listening here, they're okay with it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Brittany. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Nick. This was fun.